Pentecost Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the 16th Sunday after Pentecost for the week of September 17th, 2023, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because we had a lot of responses to last week's Twitter question, which I found super fun to be able to have some correspondence and discussions about some of these different things. And again, if you haven't ever responded to the question, I'd highly recommend it. Shoot me an email. I can attach the links to my email down below, along with either respond on social media. It's a really great way to be able to have some interaction with this. But it's also just an exciting point within this year. We usually are starting the education year right around this time of the year. And there's just a different life that comes alive within the church. And I think it kind of is contagious. And I just get excited about this time of year being able to get things going and move forward. I know for me, as we are approaching the end of this month, there'll be some more things I'll talk about as we get closer to that 300 episode special edition. I always like doing something around those big milestones and we're quickly approaching episode 300. As I've stated before, if you have any questions or anything you've always wondered about with the podcast, shoot me an email, shoot me a post on X or one of the other different social media platforms. I'd love to discuss it. I know there's a couple things that I've been thinking about that I haven't ever talked about that I'd like to talk about. So it should be a fun special edition, special episode that's coming up. So make sure to keep your eye peeled for that and ask your questions. But let's just jump into the questions that we had for last week. The question we had for last week was, how is your community slash ecosystem? And I got a couple different interesting responses this last week. One of them talking about how important it is for us to become listeners. And as we age and continue to get older and older, recognizing how important that actually is. And one of the great pieces of advice this person had heard from a speaker is rather than disagreeing with somebody saying, inform me. And I think that's a great philosophy. I think there's a lot of times we're so used to, especially within American culture, I'm right, you're wrong, and let me tell you why. Instead of informing us, which means that we need to be able to listen. And I think that was definitely a part of what we were talking about last week. Another response we got this last week was the discussion on how important it is for us to be learning from other different faiths and denominations and just working together as a better Christian body to be able to understand what's going on. And I agree. I think that's one of the things that our world needs demonstrated. And I think it's one of the places that the church has the unique opportunity of really walking out. And it means that we need to humble ourselves which ties into what we will be getting into this week. So let's just jump into it. We have a kind of a fun way of looking at this week. Again, we have the Old Testament text along with two alternative psalms that go with that and then another Old Testament text. So the first alternative Old Testament text you can choose is Exodus chapter 14 verses 19 through 31. This is a fairly familiar story we definitely probably heard if you grew up within the church. This is the fleeing of the Israelites from the Egyptians, and the Egyptian army is coming, but God continues to figure out ways to make it hard for them to get to them, and we get Moses who gets to the Red Sea, and he parts the Red Sea. The Israelites cross on dry land. Moses stretches his hands over as the Egyptians are trying to go across, and their wheels are getting muddied and clogged, and it goes back over. The whole army is lost. 
And this then causes what I think really an important thing here in verse 31. Israel saw the great work that the Lord did against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. So the healthy fear and the healthy belief in what God was going to do, that God had promised to get the people out of Israel like we have been talking about here the last few weeks, And yes, God did do that and what God was willing to do for his people. So one of the alternative psalms you can use for that text this week is Psalm 114, all eight verses of it. This is that recognition and stating right in verse 1. When Israel went out from Egypt, the house of Jacob, from the people of the strange language, this recognition and this whole psalm of remembering all these things that the Lord has done for them in the first half, And recognizing then we should tremble, we should be scared, but this healthy fear of what God has continued to provide, but what God is also willing to do for his people. So this recognition of how powerful God is, and yet how God still has this love for us. The alternative psalm this week is not out of Psalms, it is out of Exodus chapter 15 verses 1b to 11 and 20 and 21. And this is a psalm of praise and this recognition of what God did. It's taking what we hear here in Exodus 14 and it's kind of the continuation of that, that look at what God did. God was able to give us this salvation, not only for us, but also from the Egyptians. And look what he did to the Egyptians. And he had shattered our enemy and our adversaries and how amazing God is. And recognizing that all these enemies that we have will fail to our God as long as we listen, obey, and have this healthy fear. Recognizing how strong and mighty God is but yet also how loving and caring God is for us at the same time. And look for the prophets that are going to be proclaiming that. The other alternative Old Testament text is out of Genesis chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. So remember, this is kind of continuing that whole story of Jacob and his brothers. And this is an interesting text in that Joseph's brothers recognize that his father, Jacob, has died. And in that, the brothers are now concerned that Joseph, now that Jacob is gone, is going to take out his revenge. Dad isn't there. He was dad's favorite. Now dad's gone. He's going to bring it on us. And so they come up with this lie in verse 17 of how forgive them of their crimes. This is something your dad said. And he recognizes when they're falling down and weeping at his feet to not be afraid, that he is not God, that he recognizes this and he has already forgiven them and he's trying to walk out this faith and recognizing that that's not Joseph's role is to do that to them. So this really cool moment of, again, recognizing that judgment isn't for us, that's God's role, Our role is to let go and forgive, no matter how difficult that is. The psalm that goes with that is Psalm 103, optionally the first seven verses, and then 8 through 13. 
This is recognizing the blessing of what God has done for us and all these benefits that come from this and how God has continued to show this lavish love, continued to lay it on us heavy. All these things that God continues to do to provide for us and has helped us through. So in that, it's this recognition of in verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will he keep his anger forever. Going into verse 9, this character of who God is and how God cares so much about us and how wide and vast that love is and what does that look like. And so thus us trying to wrap our heads around it to be able to be followers of this and recognize the blessing of what that is. The New Testament text, the epistle text, is out of Romans chapter 14, the first 12 verses of it. And this is recognizing what this faith looks like in that we are not the judge. We're not the ones to be casting judgment on others. And it's an interesting analogy that Paul is using here on people eating just vegetables while others eating everything and those casting judgment back and forth and recognizing that, no, we are supposed to be living this life in honor of God. And so some are going to see it in one way of just eating vegetables while others are going to see it that we eat everything. And this shouldn't be something that should destroy us. It's this recognition that we live in the Lord and we die in the Lord. And it's this faith that binds us together, this love of Christ that unites us in love for each other and care for each other to sustain each other, to hold us accountable to each other. And I think that's a key point coming from verse 12. So then each of us will be accountable to God recognizing that we're all singing praise, we're all giving praise to God, we're all working together in this, and thus we're all being held accountable. The Gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. This is a fairly familiar text, I wouldn't say the most familiar ever, but Peter coming to Jesus, asking, as a member of the church has sinned against me, how many times should I forgive? He throws out seven times. Jesus says, not seven times, but 77 times. And Jesus then goes into this analogy of how you have this servant who gets called by his master and he owes 10,000 talents, which is a tremendous amount of debt, a lifetime's plus worth of debt. And he is looking to get these different repayments. So he tells this person, Together with his wife and children, sell all his possessions and his payment will be made. And he begs the master, no, don't do this. Give me more time. He has pity on him, this master. And so he releases him and forgives him of his debt. So this same slave then goes to another person who owes him a hundred denarii, which is not really that much in the scheme of things, a few days worth of wages. And he's pestering this person and will not give him forgiveness and just refuses. And when the other slaves see this, they go and tell the master. He brings him back in and is just frustrated and says he will be tormented for this. And so this idea of how we need to be able and willing to forgive and not necessarily hold these grudges. 
So, before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do our shameless plugs for Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it between the Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give me some perspective for this podcast week after week, along with giving you some different ideas, along with just amazing resource that that is. If you are listening to a podcast preparing you for worship, you should really be checking out some additional commentaries from other biblical scholars. So if you haven't checked out workingpreacher.org, I'd highly recommend it. I'd also highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. Not only do I really enjoy how they lay out the text week to week, but they have art, prayers, hymns, colors, all these different things that really help deepen one's faith and be able to get more out of these different texts week to week, along with the art adds so much depth in how different people have interpreted and understood these texts in time gone by. So if you haven't checked out the Revised Common Lectionary coming from Vanderbilt's Divinity Library, I'd highly recommend it. Finally, I also highly recommend checking out the Green Blades Preaching Roundtable and the Green Blades Rising Publications. These newsletters and weekly reflections help give some unique and different perspectives on these texts, giving ecological echoes, implications, and urgencies to either the weekly, along with giving some different events that are going on more in the upper Midwest of the United States. But These are just some great resources to really check in and listen to and look at. If you enjoy listening to this podcast week after week, I know you're going to enjoy looking and subscribing to these weekly or monthly newsletters. So I'd highly recommend subscribing to those. Those will be in the show notes down below. Forgiveness is difficult. Forgiveness is not easy. Forgiveness is something that it's much easier to hold instead of letting go. And I know in my life, there's definitely been times where I have wrestled with this. And it's still something that I feel we continue to work on throughout our whole lifetime. There's times that we feel that we've been done wrong in some form or some fashion. And it's just much easier to hold a grudge than to let it go or to confront the person and let it go. It's just so much easier to hold on. And that, in some ways, is fantastic. It gives us the perseverance to persevere through things, persevere through difficult times. But in this case, it sometimes is really damaging. It really can damage relationships and cause us to miss the blessing of the wholeness of what God is trying to have us experience. And I think sometimes we can even see this beyond our typical human lens. I'm going to give you an example this week that I was thinking about hearing some stories about, and I think it's something that's worth talking about. Three years ago, I talked about memory and looking at how it's so easy for us to forget, but yet sometimes we like holding on to things. This week, I'm going to go into more of the biological on something that's outside the human experience. And today we're gonna talk about the Save the Bee movement. Do you remember that? It's still going on today and it's very easy for us to be able to hear a lot of these Save the Bee messages. But especially here in the United States and globally, in the mid 2000s, we started hearing about colony collapse disorder, specifically around honeybees that these hives were dying, collapsing quite suddenly, and we weren't quite understanding why. And so in doing that, we had this whole movement, we need to save the bees because they're such great pollinators. And we as people with 
all the food that we consume and so many different products, we are dependent on pollinators. So if we don't have pollinators, what are we going to do? We're not going to be able to survive. We need to save the bees. Well, it's been 15 to 20 years since these movements started. And where are we at? Well, we're in a different scenario. We have found that honeybees, specifically at least in the United States, European honeybees have exploded in popularity, allowing for definitely some pollination of large crops. But we're also finding globally that different types of honeybees, there are certain species that are not doing as well as they did 15 to 20 years ago with their honey production. And what does this all mean? The honeybees have gotten so dense that it's become harder and harder for them to survive. But the other one that we haven't talked about is the other types of pollinators that are out there. And specifically, the other types of bees that are out there. If you look online for wherever your local area is, there's a lot of native pollinators out there. And specifically, there's a lot of different bee species that are out there. And very few of them create honey. The valuable thing about these other native bee species is a lot of these different bee species are specialists. They have designed themselves to be able to pollinate specific types of flowers or specific types of plants at a better rate and be able to have where it's more successful for both them and the plant than your typical just honeybee. For instance, like bumblebees, bumblebees will do a kind of shimmy within many different flower species to be able to really shake things up to be able to get more pollen on them to be able to spread and share that around. This is not something that honeybees do. But because of us as humans, we love figuring out ways to make money. And there's been a huge demand over the last 20 years for honeybees and an increase in the cost and thus being able to have a democracy of some type of money churning on the side from these bees. But we have to remember the bees that we are talking about and we think about honeybees are basically a domesticated bee, at least here in the United States, being that they're not native here. And these other bee species that we're talking about, they're not as common to us. And part of it is, is because they're not as social as honeybees. They're typically solitary. They're by themselves. They aren't necessarily creating honey. They look more of a nuisance. Heck, there are also other types of pollinators out there, specifically moths and wasps. And yes, that includes even something like yellow jackets, where this summer I've even gotten stung by yellow jackets. But the beautiful thing that they're able to bring is that they're pollinating different types of plants and that they're specialized to be able to benefit the plant and themselves better than anything else. So yes, we have honeybees that are competing with themselves and actually are pushing out some of these native species, making it harder and harder for them to survive. And because we're trying to have monocrops, as we've talked about in their fairly recent past, how that's harder and harder for the ecosystems, even like the native bee and pollinator species to be able to survive in something like that. 
So how does this all relate to a text talking about forgiveness? We recognized in the early 2000s that we were having a problem on our hands. And so we became super narrowly focused on save the bees, aka save the honey bee, to the point where now we are actually still needing to save the bees, just excluding the honeybee. I know in my life, there's been definitely times where I've thought about getting honeybees, and I'm now starting to understand the value of not necessarily having them around. Yes, do I enjoy having local honey, and yes, do I enjoy getting the differences between spring honey and fall honey? Yes, I do. And yes, there is a value to that. But there's also a value to having plots of land with native species on them and allowing the native insects to be able to do what they were evolved and designed to do. You see, that's the part of this that I think is really interesting is when we don't evolve, when we hold the grudges, when we get tense, we aren't allowing ourselves to be able to be the people that we were designed to be. It's a lot of what was talked about in the Romans text, that we become so steady and, and judging that we're not allowing ourselves to see how God is actually moving and recognizing that we should be using this vessel as something to give praise to God and acknowledging the variety of how we're understanding God to be working and how we connect with the holy. It allows us to then be like Joseph and put aside things that were very difficult, I would imagine, for Joseph to put aside. It allows us to trust deeply when God says, move here and I will take care of it, to be able to get to the place where we are able to celebrate and still be in fear and awe and give praise to God all at the same time. We have to be able to acknowledge and understand that we are a part of a much broader ecosystem. And sometimes it's super easy for us to point the finger on this is a problem we need to fix and become laser focused on that one problem or one part of the problem and missing what is the broader scope of what is happening. The broader scope is not only are the honeybees being crowded out, but us having monocultures taking away native plants from different ecosystems is harder on these pollinators, along with the pesticide use that we're using and how honeybees can pass those on to other bees. And it makes it harder and harder, especially that a lot of these other bee species are solitary bees. So they're not necessarily large groups of them. And that the plants are dependent on these different bee species because as we've talked about, they've evolved together. It's like having that childhood friend. You've grown up together. You understand each other or your spouse that you're able to complete each other's sentences without saying the whole thing. You just understand how you're going to react. They just understand how to work together. And us with the lack of understanding or us with the art motives and seeing this is not only something we need to take care of, but this is also something that we can figure out some way to profit off of that we potentially at times overlook and miss the damage of what we could also be doing at the same time. We miss the other bees and insects that are interacting and doing an amazing job to be able to 
keep pollinating and keeping this ecosystem going. And it gets back into those basic food webs that we understood as a kid and how something eats something which eats something and you recognize how everything is all connected. Jesus is trying to get our heads around the idea of if we hold grudges, we aren't connected. We are disassociating ourselves from the group. And in doing that, it makes it hard to work together. It makes it hard for us to be able to be a strong unit, to be a strong ecosystem, a resilient ecosystem, because you start pulling things out and it becomes weaker and weaker. It becomes harder for that ecosystem to be resilient because you're removing things and it's us being arrogant. It's us being resistant to understanding what is actually going on. It means that we have to be willing and able to be flexible enough like Joseph to forgive and to move forward and realize the blessing of still what is going on in front of us. It means that we need to be able to trust and do a difficult thing, pack up everything you own, get to the edge of the Red Sea, a large body of water, and trust that not only are you going to be able to cross it, you're going to cross it on dry land, and your enemies aren't going to be able to, even though they didn't have boats, to be able to then give praise and be in awe and wonder and fearful of God all at the same time. For us to be able to recognize that the bickering that we have between ourselves isn't worth it. That we need to be able to move beyond that and recognize that we are all one body of Christ together. Which means we need to be able to get along. We need to be able to work together. And sometimes that's much easier said than done. I think we all know that in our own lives. It is much easier to say that than to do that. Is there a role within our ecosystems to have European honeybees? Sure. They've been around our ecosystems for long enough that there has been adjustments that have happened. But it also means that there is a balance. And we need to be able to understand and recognize that balance. We need to be able to be in tune with it. And that means we need to be able to look at the whole picture together. And sometimes that might mean that we need to sacrifice things as it even states here in Romans that we need to be able to give up things or abstain things to give honor and thanks to God. Coming from verse 6, the end of verse 6. I think that sometimes we need to be able to take that and really understand that to be able to work together as individuals as human individuals within our communities and ecosystems, but also in the broader ecosystem of everything around us, all of God's creation, and understand that there are times that we have to understand the give-and-take relationship that God has designed out there. So the question I have for you this week is, where do you see this give-and-take relationship that's working currently? Where do you see this give-and-take relationship that's currently working? Because I think if we have those examples and we're able to see those examples, it helps us to continue to strive for them and be able to see if we can make steps in one spot. Maybe we can make steps in other spots. Maybe it's simply learning what some of your different native bee species are. I know for me this summer, just with a couple different series of events, It's been a little while since I've mowed my lawn, and I live out far enough where 
it's okay that I can do that. And the coolest thing has been is watching all the different insects pollinate my quote-unquote weeds within my yard. The different flowers and different native species or in natives that are popping up but yet still have pollinators trying to pollinate them. And it's actually made it at times difficult for me to want to cut the lawn. I know I need to do it probably one more time. But it's also that recognition of the whole ecosystem that's suddenly out in my yard in front of me. And how amazing that is. Because it's so easy for me to overlook because it's so small, but yet so important. Because we, my wife and I, have benefited greatly from it. Our gardens have done fantastic. And I think part of it has been because we've let some of those pollinators be around to be able to help pollinate our gardens so that we could benefit, allowing them also to benefit. And I think that's something that as a community, as a world, we need to work on so that everything benefits instead of just me, myself, and I, or homo sapiens. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>